0: Uh, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and get them ready. Uh, the book of Luke, chapter 5, your Bibles, your tablets, whatever. We're not going to go there yet. We'll go there in a second. But go ahead and get it ready. Um, Luke, chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 1 when the time comes. Uh, how many of you guys play sports? You like playing sports? I know we got a lot of football fans in here today. Football fans? Yeah. Basketball fans? So-so, we got a so-so in the middle of March Madness kicking off uh, right now. So the big NCAA tournament is happening. And uh, I remember when I played basketball in high school. Um, Believe it or not, I did play basketball in high school. So I I played point guard and it was a lot of fun. I remember going to basketball camps. Did y'all ever go to sports camps growing up? Yeah, so we got to go to, to basketball camp and I remember mowing a lot of lawns to pay for a big chunk of my way to go there and got help on the rest of it. So I got to go there on a, a partial scholarship. So it was cool for me to go to this summer basketball camp and there are players from all over the state and it was uh, it was really cool to see competition from different schools and different areas and all that stuff. But And one of the workshops in... Uh, during during the camp, this coach got up and they give coaches like different segments of the day to work on different drills and and ball skills and stuff like that. And this guy was going to teach us how to shoot the perfect free throw. But his whole time was spent making money off of us. So he got up there and he said, I'm good at what I do. He goes, I'm a 90% plus free throw shooter. Guaranteed. 90% 90% every time like clockwork. He goes, I can outshoot anybody in here. And he goes, I'm so confident that I can shoot outshoot anybody in here. I'm gonna give a hundred dollars to anybody that can outshoot me. Ten shots apiece. If you can beat me, you get my hundred bucks. But you gotta come up here with ten dollars. Put your ten bucks against my hundred. And if you outshoot me, you get my 100. If I outshoot you, I get your 10. Well, we're a bunch of bro- broke, like high school students, right? So we're all like piling up our money and giving it to whoever we think the best shooter is, you know? So we're just like sending our representative into the gladiator pit to take on this coach who drew the line and said he could outshoot us. And we're like, you, you ain't got nothing, old man. We'll, we'll get you. Somebody's going to get him, you know? And one by one, this guy took. $10 from every kid that went up there to try to outshoot him. I mean, he would hit nine out of 10, 10 out of 10, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10, eight out of 10, 10 out of 10, and just blew the doors off of everybody that would go up there. We finally sent this one kid up there who was a great shot, man. This guy hit nine out of 10, and he lost because the coach hit 10 out of 10. That's how good this guy was. He took all our lunch money that day. <laughs> uh, he he put 100 dollars up but he outshot 10 of us so he made 100 bucks on risking his 100. It was a good day for him. And then he finally taught us the lesson. He said the reason why you guys lost was because you were looking at the money. The reason why you lost was because you were looking at the crowd that was here watching you shoot. The reason why you lost is because you felt the pressure to perform. He said, the reason why I won was because I was paying attention to my mechanics and the fundamentals. He said, the difference was the focus. You guys overcomplicated something that should have been automatic. One of the most basic things in playing basketball, shooting free throws, and I think that the same can be true of us sometimes in church world when it comes to sharing our faith. You know, we overcomplicate things sometimes when it comes to just telling people about what Jesus has done in our lives and just telling people about the life transformation that is found in a relationship with Jesus and how he can bring you from death to life spiritually and change you from the inside out and grow you into this beautiful person. We overcomplicate it, I think, and we focus on so many so many details, so many other things, and we forget just the basic mechanics, the fact that it should just flow naturally out of us and out of our relationship with him. We give in to fear, we give in to feeling like we're unqualified to speak on things, like we have to have a theological degree or anything like that. And, then, and the Bible doesn't say anything like that. The Bible just says that we speak out of what he's done in our lives. And we're starting a new series today called Reach and how we as a church can reach people on a whole new level. But that begins when we as individuals begin to reach people for Jesus on a whole new level on our own. And I wanna decomplicate everything before we get into it because I've heard teaching on evangelism that's been great, I've heard teachings on evangelism that's been life-changing. But I don't want us to get lost in the techniques and the tactics. And I don't want you to feel pressure today to feel like you have to go out and make something happen. You ever had somebody preach on reaching the world or reaching your world or talking about Jesus and sharing your faith, and you felt more pressure than motivation coming from the pulpit? Can we just be a little bit real today? Have you felt that before? I felt it before. Um, And sometimes I feel like I put a little more pressure on myself than I should, because it should flow naturally out of who I am and my relationship with Jesus. I want to decomplicate the concept of evangelism and sharing our faith today. And as we begin this series, and we're going to add some things that are beneficial to help us more effective, at least the Bible says, to make us more effective in reaching others for Jesus. But I want to start out with a simple concept today, and it's just this right here. When I love like God loves, I'll see like God sees. When I love like God loves, I'll see like God sees. When we love others like he loves, we'll see others like he sees them. And the condition that they're in, for better or for worse, we'll see them through the eyes that God sees them with. And I think too many times in life we have taught ourselves to see things from different perspectives that are the wrong perspective. And sometimes we let our own opinion or our own take of, of scripture or what um, a follower of Christ should look like or shouldn't look like based on our experience or our upbringing in church. We, we take what's going on in the world and we take talking points from pastors all over the world and we don't take the time to get into the word of God ourselves and stand on our own two feet and actually look at how simple this is. When we love like God loves, we'll see like God sees. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1. We're going to jump in on the, a day in the life of Jesus. Jesus has just started his ministry. He's getting a big crowd of people that are beginning to follow him. He's just begun to work some miracles and word is starting to spread Everywhere Jesus goes, he's the man. Everywhere Jesus goes, things are happening. And one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. I'm gonna pause there for a second. You know why they were washing their nets? Because they were done. They were done. They had already put in a hard night of fishing. They were done. They were calling it a day. And Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put off a little from shore. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Now there's already a lot happening in this passage of scripture. You got Jesus, you got a great crowd that's following him. You've got Jesus looking to get into a boat to kick out into the water so that he can teach the people. The reason why he did this was so that his voice would be amplified over the water. You know, sound carries better over water than it does open uh, open land. And so he was using the water as a magnifier for his voice so he could teach to this great uh, crowd that was there without straining his voice. Um, you got... Fishermen who were drying their nets. And you got these boats that are in play here. I mean, let me ask you a question. What do you think Jesus was doing in getting into the boat? Let me ask you another question. Do you think Jesus needed to get into a boat to kick out onto the water to talk to people? Jesus didn't need a boat, did he? He didn't need a boat. There's a couple of times in scripture you can read where Jesus got to get out and walk on the water, now look, if I could walk on water, I don't think I'd ever take a boat anywhere. I'll be honest with you. Man, people in boats would just be looking at me and I'd be like, hey, what's going on? And, you know, I would walk on water and go, it'd be the coolest trick ever. You know? So Jesus, who was doing the miraculous, who was going to preach to this crowd, didn't need the boat to get out there. He could have just blown them away by walking out on the water and teaching if he wanted to. No, he used the boat because he wasn't necessarily there for the crowd And he definitely wasn't there for the boat. He was there for Simon. And he was using the boat as an opening for conversation for this man named Simon who was there. Now, Simon, if you don't know, would later be known as Peter, one of the apostles. He would lead the church in Jerusalem. He would turn the world upside down for Jesus. But right now, Peter isn't Peter. Peter is Simon and Simon is washing his nets, thinking that his day is done, but little did he know that Jesus, in the midst of the crowd and all that was going on, was very intent and having a very real conversation with him. When he had finished speaking, talking about Jesus, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, now look what Simon calls Jesus here. He calls him master. He says, master. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. He called him master because it's a sign of respect. He just heard Jesus teach and preach to this great crowd that was there. Peter was in the boat with Jesus while Jesus was preaching to the crowd. Okay, So Jesus says, hey, uh, before we go back to the shore, let's go out into deeper water and let's cast out these nets again. Dude, we have been fishing all night, but because you say so, because I respect you, even though I don't really know you, we're going to do it again. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. That's a lot of fish, guys. (laughs) That's one thing to have a lot of fish in a net, but when you filled up two boats, to the two fishing boats now that are made to carry a little bit of weight and now they're starting to sink because of the fish that are in them, that's a lot of fish. And when Simon Peter now saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. Not master anymore, but Lord, I am a sinful man. Man, Simon had come into a revelation here. See, Jesus was no longer just some common master. Now, he recognized Jesus for who he was. He said, Lord, he called him Lord, and immediately he was reminded of all the sin that was in his life. It was just another day at work for Simon until he encountered Jesus. Now, you remember what it was like when you first accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? It was probably just another day for you. You were probably just going to church because somebody invited you to church and you thought, you would just do it to get them to shut up finally so they'd leave you alone. Or maybe it was a family member who was telling you about what Jesus had done across from a table at a family get-together or a friend after a night of hanging out who was just having an honest conversation with you. But we all started that day thinking it was gonna go one way, but God had another plan for the day. And you know when you encounter Jesus for real, you are different. It changes. You go from saying master to Lord. You go to the revelation of how dirty you are inside and how much you are in need of a Savior to clean you from the inside out. Aren't you glad that you've encountered Jesus? Man, I'm so glad that I encountered him, and it was just another day for me. I remember, and God rocked my world, and I've never been the same since then. He says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Now you see, James and John, those those two guys would later be disciples of Jesus also. But Jesus isn't talking to them. He's talking to Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is a beautiful progression that's happening here in this story, and if you really want to break it down, it's kind of what happens to us when we come into the revelation of who Jesus is, and he begins to change us. I love here at the end, though, that while all that Simon can see is the sin that's in his life, Jesus at the end of this in verse 10, begins to speak to the potential that he sees in Simon. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You will be a fisher of men. Simon is coming into contact with his past, his present, and his potential all at the same time. And Jesus is speaking to all of it at once. I know the stuff that you've done, and I know who you are now, but that's not who you are. That's not even who you're going to be. I'm going to speak to the future you, I'm going to speak to the potential you. You are going to be a fisher of men. I'm going to use you in a powerful way. Jesus begins to speak to his potential in this moment. And all Simon can see is his mess. And all Simon can see is who he is. And his whole perception is based on those two things. Jesus says, that's not where I want to leave you. I want to show you where I'm going to take you. It's crazy. It's crazy. You're going to be a fisher of men. I know you still smell like fish right now. I know you just had a long day and you didn't even want to go out on this boat. And I know you just came into the revelation of how sinful you actually are. And while you're disgusting and you smell bad on the outside, you're twice as disgusting and smelly on the inside because of the sin that's in your life. But I see more than that in you. See, Jesus looked ahead and he saw the Peter that would be leading the church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jesus looked ahead and saw the Peter that would stand in front of the rulers of the area. They would look at him and say, this guy's uneducated, but he's been with Jesus. He looked ahead and he saw the Peter that would be walking through the city so covered in the presence of God that people would line up hoping that his shadow would fall on them so they could be healed. you will be fisher of men. All of that potential. You know, at the same time, though, he also knew that Peter was going to be the hothead. He knew that Peter was going to be the guy that would still have trouble reigning in his emotions. He knew that while Peter in the present was no longer the Peter in the past, that Peter in the present, or Simon in the present, had a long way to go to be who he had called him to be. And he had a whole lot of his old nature to get out of him. He was still going to be the guy that would cut the ear off the high priest. He was still going to be the guy that would make all these big outlandish claims. I'm never going to leave you, Jesus. And then he was going to deny Jesus three times. He knew that. He knew he was still the same guy who was going to be full of prejudice And not want to reach out to the Gentiles, even when Jesus was telling him to reach out to the Gentiles. And it was going to go under the radar for a long time until Paul finally would call him out and he would have to confront that little bit of Simon that was still inside of him from way back when that prejudice that still remained. Jesus was looking at a lot of stuff in the life of Simon, who was going to be Peter's dealing with his past, his present, and speaking into his future. And guys, I got to tell you, we all find ourselves in that same situation. Now, I know we all, we came to church, dressed up a little bit, and we came to church lifting our hands and praising God, but if you got to be honest, and I've got to be honest, there's still a little bit of that old us inside of us that has to be put to death daily in order for us to consistently move into who Jesus is calling us to be. Anybody brave enough to say amen to that? Amen. Man, it's right there. We've all got, just for the sake of this message, we've all got a little bit of that Simon in us that needs to come out. I got some of that old Josh in me that needs to come out. So we find ourselves stepping away from the past, living in the present, but trying to step into the potential that God has has spoken over us and become that person that he says that we can be and, and, and actually live out the reality of who we already are as a child of God, as an heir and co-heir with Christ Jesus. When God looks at us with Jesus in our hearts, he sees the righteousness of Christ, not how jacked up we can be. He sees all that potential in us while we're still striving to walk in that potential on a daily basis. It's it's neat when you think about what's all at work. And if we're not careful, though, living in the present, we can let one of two realities shape our perspective and either remove the lid on our spiritual walk or put a lid on our spiritual walk. We can either look back to the past to define who we are and how we see the world, or we can look to our potential to define who we are and how we see the world. We can have a biblical perspective on life or we can have a carnal, a worldly, and a self-led perspective on this world. Sometimes we speak about ourselves and there's a plurality about it. You know, we say, we say things like, and I think sometimes we say things like this and we deceive ourselves. We say, well, the way that I see it, it should be like this. Or, I'm just being me. I'm just being me. You ever heard somebody say that? I'm just being me. I don't know what else to do. I'm just being me. I did that because I'm just being me. Well, let me ask you, which you are you trying to be in that moment? Which you are you talking about there? Are you talking about the you that you used to be? Or are you talking about the you that you're trying to become in Christ? Who are we talking about here? Well, if it were me, I would do it that way. Well, you don't want to wrong me. You don't want to cross me because if you cross me, which you are you talking about? Which you are we talking about here? Which me am I talking about? Like, what are we using to gauge our perspective? What, what are we using as a lens in which we view people and we view the world? And we view who we're becoming, how we operate daily. You see what I'm saying with this? It's, it's just we're we're all in a, in, a, in a flux of maturing into who God has called us to be. But if we're not careful, we let where we are today be shaped by where we were yesterday in a negative way. And that's who we were. And that's how we used to act. And that's what we used to do. But that's not who we are today. And that's definitely not who we are today. Becoming, We've all got a little bit of that in us that has to die daily because if we don't put it in its place, it caps us and more importantly, what God is able to do through us to impact the lives of other people. It, Im- it impacts how many people we can actually reach for the kingdom of God because it doesn't just affect us, it affects how we see other people. It affects how we see other people so we've all got uh, an element of our past to deal with in the present as we're moving into the potential that God has placed inside of us. Matthew chapter 9, sticking with this thought that when we love like God loves, we'll see like God sees. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is still calling his disciples one at a time here, and he's reaching out to a guy named Matthew. Some translations of the Bible say Levi. Mine here is going to say Matthew. Um, As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. That's insane. Okay, now if you know anything about basic Bible knowledge, you're going to know that tax collectors were not who you wanted to be in society. Nobody grew up back then saying I want to be a tax collector because tax collectors were thought of, they were like the scum of the scum of the scum of the earth in the Jewish culture, like you would have your criminals, you would have your really bad criminals, you would have your horrible criminals, and then you'd have tax collectors. Okay, people hated tax collectors because these guys would represent the Roman government and they could come in And all the Roman government cared about was getting a certain set number of money and they gave these tax collectors permission to go above that if they wanted to and just pocket the money that they were able to get above and beyond what went to the Roman government. So these tax collectors who were Jews were representing the Roman government. They took advantage of their fellow Jews, okay? And, and they would literally rob them. They would, they, you might owe 20 bucks, but they would say you owe 35 and 20 would go to Rome and 15 would go in the tax collector's pocket. And everybody knew what the game was But nobody could do anything to fix it because it was Roman law. They hated tax collectors. You didn't want to be a tax collector. And here Jesus goes and he finds himself a tax collector to be in his inner group of disciples. It's crazy. Jesus always surrounded himself with people that were nothing like him. And people that were nothing like Jesus always fell in love with him. Every time. So he's got this tax collector who's following him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, so now he's at Matthew's house having dinner. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now you've got a whole bunch of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was rolling with a dirty crowd. I mean, this is the crowd you didn't hang out with. There's almost no way to communicate what a faux pas this is. There's almost no, like forget an Auburn fan and an Alabama fan (laughs) sitting down and having dinner and getting along with one another. Forget Georgia and Georgia Tech getting along or Georgia and Alabama. It's just, you did not do this in this culture. You did not hang out with these people here is Jesus doing it you know why because Jesus had a mission and it was to seek and to save the lost the lost Jesus saw people differently than the religious leaders saw them because Jesus was seeing people through the eyes of his father as Jesus loved like his father loved and because of that he saw how his father saw so he surrounded himself with the people that you don't surround yourself with and here comes the Pharisees. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples. I like how they went to the disciples and not to Jesus. They asked his disciples, "Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he doing this? What is the deal?" And here's Jesus hanging out with the people that need the help the most. And here's the religious people saying, why are you hanging out with those people? You know, there's always going to be a group of religious people that tries to stand in opposition to what God is trying to do through a group of people. Every time. Well, why are y'all doing this? Why are y'all doing that style of music? Why do y'all have to do this? Why are we reaching these kind of people? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Instead of saying, everybody needs to be reached with the gospel. And we we can look at this passage of scripture and say, these Pharisees, are wrong. Like everybody say this. Say hey, the Pharisees, Pharisees are wrong. They're wrong. They're criticizing Jesus for what he's doing, hanging out with these people who shouldn't be hanging out with. You know, he's sitting at this table with these people you're not supposed to be sitting at a table with, and these religious leaders are saying, "Wow, he's hanging out with them. He's probably just like him." You know what? They actually called Jesus a sinner or a friend of sinners, and a drunkard. Why? Because of who he he hung out with. He was always trying to reach. Jesus is the guy who went to the woman at the well. Talk to that Samaritan woman there. Another move that you're not supposed to make if you are a Jew, much less a Jewish rabbi or teacher like Jesus was recognized as. He reached out to the Samaritans. He reached out to the lepers, all through jesus's ministry you see him going to the people that you're not supposed to go to and 2022 today reading this we can say those pharisees are bad and they shouldn't have been criticizing jesus or looking down on the people that were at that table because it's easy for us to disconnect that but i got a question for you if you were at the table would Jesus? Would you have stayed there, seeing the company that was there, or would you have gone out to be one of the Pharisees to criticize the group that was there? I wouldn't have been with those Pharisees. That's well, that's because they're called sinners and tax collectors. But what if Jesus was hanging out with a Democrat? What if Jesus was hanging out with a Republican? What if Jesus was having dinner with Joe Biden? What if he was hanging out with Trump? Would you be a Pharisee criticizing Biden or Trump? Or would you have the eyes of Jesus and see them in the proper perspective? See, now, now we're getting to it a little bit this morning. Um, I love people like God loves them. I think those Pharisees are bad. That's awesome until you have an opportunity to sit at the table with a person that molested you to forgive them. till you have the opportunity to sit at the table with that person at work that just rubs you the wrong way. We've all seen that person, amen? Oh gosh, yeah, experienced that. But they're still either going to go to heaven or hell. They're going to spend eternity somewhere. It just starts to get a little real now. It's just easy to sit out and criticize the family member that always causes the trouble at the family get-togethers or the family member that's always criticizing you to point a finger at them in judgment instead of sitting with them at the table. Your ex-spouse, that boyfriend that abused you, that girlfriend that verbally just destroyed you, Emotionally? Do so we either sit back in judgment or we are at the table with them, trying to reach them? When you see things motivated from a perspective of love, it changes things completely. How do we view certain types of people? Do we view them from the perspective of who we were in the past, or do we view them through the perspective of the potential of who God is calling us to be and that standard of love that he calls us to operate in? That doesn't mean that what they did was okay. It doesn't mean that their political policies are correct. What it means is they're going to spend eternity somewhere. And it's our job as a church to recognize that and reach them. Even if we see them as quote unquote unreachable, is there anybody that you wouldn't be comfortable having at the table? You get them, Pastor Josh. These other people need to hear this stuff right now. You get them, boy. Pastor josh you get a man and i'm talking to myself as much as i'm talking to you you know preparing for this message today man i had to hit the brakes and say is there anybody that i would rather point a finger at than sit down and have a conversation with you know what the lord laid a couple of people on my heart People that had legitimately done me wrong in the past, and I've cut ties with them. Because, you know, forgiveness and restoration are two different things, two different things. So you can remove toxic people from your life and still forgive them. But, you know, a lot of times we say we forgive people and we move on just so we can move on and the issue's not really resolved with us. We just kind of cut it loose and move And So the Lord brought that to my attention. He said, you know, what if this person were at the table what would be in your heart at the moment? And I said, uh, mm, You know what? You're right. You're right. And I had to get my heart right on some things with, with regard to this, you know, it, because we're quick sometimes to categorize where people go. And only reach the people we're comfortable with reaching. And I got news for you, man. If the people that you're comfortable reaching believe the same way you do and look like you and like the same stuff that you like, you're not reaching anybody. You're comfortable. You're comfortable. It's awfully quiet in here right now. Is there anybody that wouldn't be at the table? Because see, the the basic principle of reaching people for Jesus means that we all need to be reached for Jesus. Amen? And when God sent his son to this earth to die for our sins, he died for all the world's sins. Even those people you think are unreachable. Even those people that... I would want to point a finger at sometimes in criticism of, you know, Jesus still died for the homosexual that's going to lay down with a member of the same sex tonight and call it normal. But could you sit at the table and have a conversation out of love about that person's eternity? Or is all you could see the sin that they're engrossed in? I say this all the time, but it's only in church that you can hear people say, I thank God I'm not gay, while they gossip and slander and cause division and have their own petty sin that they don't like to face themselves. He died for all of us. Political affiliation. Right now, oh my goodness, man, churches are political hotbeds. We're getting caught up in the talking points instead of remembering the mission that we're on. We're in this world, not of this world, and we're called to reach this world for Jesus. For Jesus. So while we're in this process of moving out of the past and dealing with the Simon stuff that would want to pop up from time to time in our lives and stepping into the potential of who God's called us to be, let me remind you to make sure that you're looking at people from the right perspective. Because when you love like God loves, you'll see like God sees. Verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. When I love like God loves, I'll see like God Let me ask you a question this morning. Is there anybody, anybody you wouldn't want at that table? Is there anybody, anybody that you would rather point a finger at, a people group you'd rather point the finger at in judgment? See, Pharisees are bad. We never think of ourselves that way because when we do it, it's different. I'm just being me. Well, I was brought up to think, well, the way I was raised was, and is that even correct? It's crazy that in the South that we still act differently when people of a different skin color come into a church. Whether they're black or white, Hispanic or Asian, it doesn't matter. There are black churches that I could walk into right now and I'd get ostracized and treated like trash because I'm white and I don't fit the narrative. And there are places that an African-American could walk into right now and they would be treated the same way and it shouldn't be so. Shouldn't be so. The Bible says that we're all one in Christ. No Jew, no Gentile, no slave or free. We're all one in Christ Jesus No such thing as a black church or a white church. There is the church. And I think there's a lot of people that are in for a very rude awakening when they stand in the presence of God. How we think it should be isn't necessarily how it should be. We're called to reach this world for Jesus. And we cannot reach the world if we decide ourselves who is reachable and who is unreachable. We don't have that right. We don't have the right to say because a person calls themselves transgender that they don't have access to the same gospel that you and I have access to. Why would we judge a sinner for sinning when that's what sinners do? Why are we so quick to point fingers at others for falling short when the Bible says that We've all fallen short of the glory of God. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that sin isn't sin. Sin is absolutely still sin. And your opinion on sin does not change God's word one bit. But there you find another scenario where our perspective is off. And it needs to be reshaped by the word of God and who he's calling us to be. We cannot reach people until we are ready to reach all people. All people, regardless, regardless, a person with liberal political views should never be able to come into this church and be made to feel less than because of where they are and their development. Listen to me. People do what they do because of where they are, spiritually. And since when do we get the right to sit in judgment on someone like that? Now we can encourage each other and hold each other accountable to the standard of the word of God. I'm not saying we don't do that, but you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, they posted that on Facebook. I need to give them a piece of my mind you probably don't need to because you might not have enough mind to spare. Can I, can I just tell you in love? And if we were all busy doing what God called us to do, we wouldn't have time to get caught up in the narrative and the talking points of this world and we wouldn't have time to fall into the trap of our own personal opinion or agenda. If we were busy doing what God called us to do, then his word would set the tone and the narrative and the mission of our life. You guys at home right now, what's setting the tone and narrative of your life? We're called to reach people We've got to reach all people. And it's just as simple as this. When we love like God loves, we'll see like God sees. It all flows out of, all flows out of what He's doing inside of us, guys. Fear disappears. the the strategies of what to say and I've got to become well-versed in apologetics to be able to have a discussion with and at the end of the day, it always comes down to one thing, who Jesus is and what he's done in your life and how he can do the same thing in somebody else's. The rest is just dance. That is what matters the most. Now, when you love like God loves, you'll see like God sees. Now, let me ask you, one more time before we get into the altar, how do you see people? How do you see those certain people? And could it be that today that we need to take another step away from that Simon, away from that, that old perspective, that we had that old way of doing things and that we put to work what the Bible says? Maybe today we need to forgive, we need to let go. Maybe today we need to take a step back and say, you know what, I have put my opinion and I have put my preference in control and on the throne of my life and I need to step back and let Jesus take control of that place in my heart again. Because as long as we're operating the wrong motive from the wrong perspective we as a church now hear me now we as a church then become just as hypocritical and dirty as the people that we stand in judgment against but when we say you know what you're right we are jacked up people but we serve a perfect savior and we might not be perfect today but we're heading towards perfection And the same Jesus that has changed me and healed me and made me complete can do the same thing in you, one step at a time. Now, that's something different. When you love like God loves, you'll see like God sees. Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you speak to us in this moment. Lord, that religious narratives would fall to the ground, Lord, in your presence. Father, that defenses would fall to the ground in your presence. Right now, I know people are beginning to rationalize and justify things, saying, I'll deal with this later. I'll try to work this into my schedule. I'll I'll try to, to apply this to my life later on. And you don't really want later on. You want right now, because later on doesn't matter if we don't fix right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around. Would you say, Pastor Josh, in the presence of God, you know what? I need, I need to change some of my perspectives in life. And I need to change how I view who I would let sit at that table. I need to learn to completely love like God loves so that I can see others like he does. If that's you today on the count of three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me because I want to pray over you this morning. I believe that today is going to be the beginning of a a whole new level in your walk with God as you move past that. But you got to move past it. So if that's you on the count of three, lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One. Two, three, lift them up. I see yours, I see yours, I see yours, I see Yours. I see yours, I see yours, I see yours. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. I see yours, I see you in the back, praise God. It's a lot of us, it's a lot of us. Let's all stand to our feet this morning, if we can, physically. God's speaking to us, God's speaking to us. God doesn't need his church to be CNN, part two. God doesn't need his church to be Fox News, part two. God needs his church to be his church. God needs his church to love like his church is supposed to love. God needs his church to be about the Father's business. But that starts with who we're becoming. Starts with who we're becoming. Because who we're becoming shapes how we see things, either biblically or the old life that we're coming out of. Let me encourage you with all of my heart to step into that potential and let God grow you and change you. To open up that table and allow whoever God lays in your path the ability to sit at that table so that you can be Jesus to them. We got enough Pharisees, we need some real Christians. Amen, let's all lift up our hands in this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we all come before you. Lord, there were so many of us that lifted up our eyes today and said that we've got some stuff to work on in us. We need to change how we view things and get our perspective to line up with your word. And Lord, that's a journey that we all take every day to put to death who we were to become who you're calling us to be. God, I thank you, first of all, for the honesty of everyone in this room who lifted their eyes and said, that's a step that I need to take. So now, right now, Father, in your presence, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, that you equip us to be able to take that step. We're choosing to do it right now. Lord, if we need to, we repent, Lord, for, for the bitterness of our hearts. Lord, we repent, Father, for the judgmental attitude that we may have had, Father. God, we repent for taking our opinion and our preference and trying to force somebody into that cookie-cutter pattern and not taking into consideration what you are uniquely doing in that person's own spiritual journey as they grow to be more like you. Lord, if that's been us, I pray that we change our hearts to become encouragers of growth instead of critics of what we don't see happening in someone. Lord, give us your heart this morning. Should we be talking about reaching others? And God, we know the calling you placed on this church. And Father, we know the calling you put on our own individual lives, just like you told Peter, that he was going to be a fisher of men. You called us to go into the world and make disciples of all creation. We all have that same call on our lives, Father. We can't do that outside of having your heart. So Lord, I pray that you give us your heart that we love like you love, Father. That we love like you love so that we can see like you see. Lord, we want to be a church just operating in the right motive. Lord, we want to be individuals that are following you. So before we look to reach others or fix others, Holy Spirit, do your work in our own hearts and in our own lives. Father, as we draw close to you, we ask that you draw close to us like your word says that you will. Take us to a place in our walk with you Where we don't see those people That aggravate us anymore Lord we're able to see past that And see an individual That's going to spend eternity somewhere And maybe we are the perfectly placed Missionary at work To reach people for you Maybe we're the perfectly placed Missionary in our family To reach others for you And our peer groups To reach others for you God, let us step out of who we were into who you're calling us to be as a church and as individuals to reach this world for you out of the right motivation. God, let us have a heart, a heart for the lost, but let us have a heart for the lost that reflects you. God, we give you glory and we give you praise for what you're doing in this place and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. The word bless you this morning. Let's give God praise in the house. Hey, we got a big calling, Eastgate Church. We got a big calling on our lives as individuals, too. You get there one step at a time. So as we're talking about reaching people, just remember fundamentals and basics. We got to love them like God loves them and see them like he sees them and reach them where they are. And if we do that, we're going to make a huge impact in this world. Amen. Amen. Hey, don't forget, um, Women of Valor tomorrow night, coming back next week for another powerful service here. Hey, let me encourage you all, be back next week if you can. I've got something that's gonna be a game changer, a game changer when it comes to reaching people for Jesus. If you wanna hear it, it's gonna impact your life. How many would say today impacted your life? How many of you will say that today? Yeah. Me too. Me too. Me too. Um, I'm never gonna teach you something that's foreign to me, and I'm never gonna stand up here and give you a word that I'm not applying to my own life. So I want you to understand that I'm growing like you're growing. We're growing together, and we're going to reach a lot of people together before it's all said and done. Amen? So let's stay in his process, and let's reach the people that we can reach. We pray over you one more time. Father, thank you for these beautiful people. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in our church and in our lives. Lord, I pray blessing over them. Lord, that everywhere they go, they go in your presence, and that they make an impact everywhere that they go because of your presence. We give you glory and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.